<clears throat> Listen, I won't apologize for the number of times I say like in these early episodes, but I will say that I've learned a lot about the way I communicate and the intentionality that I use with my words. Because the like of it all did not show up for me until I started editing and realized that I was saying it. And then I did want to come on to let you know that she and I have a collaboration going on. October 9th, 2022, from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. in Lancaster, where Monica resides, we are collaborating for an astrology Aries full moon. There is an Aries full moon that night. So full moon, gong, graveyard meditation. If you're trying to get spooky with it, get into the energy of the season. If that's something that you're about, I ain't scared of no ghost. I'll see you there. I will be sharing some hot Aries moon and astrology knowledge. Also some details about the upcoming eclipse energy that we're going to be experiencing because this is the last full moon we will be having before we enter back into eclipse season. Think about that. At the end of this month, we're going to be back in that Taurus Scorpio intense transformative energy. So if there's something you want to work on right now, this coming Sunday, if you're listening to this backdated. I don't know what to say about that. I apologize. But if you're listening to this right now, before October 9th, <laughs> full moons are about freedom. They are about releasing energy, letting yourself let go of what is not serving you. That can be in your job. That could be in your relationships. That could be with yourself. Sometimes I get sick of myself and there are things that I need to sit down and like have a talking to about myself and say, why are we hanging on to this? And full moons are the perfect opportunity to let it out. There's a lot of energy that is, I mean, it's the moon, it's bright, it's shining. It's our internal emotional energetic selves on full display. And we're asked to take all of that energy and shake off what we don't need. So that as we move forward into a new month, into a new season, we're clear. We can manifest from a place of clarity instead of a place of desperation or a place of murkiness where we're, we have to sift through all of our fears and all of these old relationships and ways of thinking before we can even step into our new way of being. So full moons, I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to be giving information about what a full moon is diving even deeper into the energy of Aries as well. And then we're going to be talking about how to work with that energy. Actually, you, I guess you could say tap in or harness the energy of the moon cycle, of the moon phases, and particularly this full moon. Very important, very high energy. Look to the house in your chart where you have Aries astrologically that's where you're going to have a lot of focus. That's where you're going to be asked to take a look at your life and see if there's anything that you are ready to free yourself from. And then once I get into all of those details, we have a conversation, share this information. Monica is leading everyone through a gong meditation in this graveyard right up until the sun begins to set. We get golden hour. It's going to be magical. I know for sure she is a powerful manifesting woman. And you know what? So am I. And you know what? So are you. So I hope to see you there. 
You'll hear all about what a sound meditation is and how Monica facilitates that in this episode. So stay tuned. The last thing I want to say is we're having a lot of fun on the Instagram page. I am truly enjoying interacting with everybody and hearing your thoughts on the show, hearing who you'd love to have on. We play around with polls on our Instagram stories. So come hang out because we're having a good time. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe if you like what you hear. And if you are feeling extra generous, please consider sharing the show with a loved one. Follow along on Instagram at Mystic and Holistic Pod or at Allie R. Jordan for fun behind-the-scenes content. I'm Allie Jordan. You're listening to Episode 5 of Mystic and Holistic, the Astrology Reports podcast. Let's get into it. are recording. Perfect. I'm so excited. On today's episode, I have somebody who is, she. Yeah, I feel like I've known you for way longer than I've known you. And I know you know what I mean when I say that. <laughs> I feel like I've known Mono- Monica for centuries. You are so intrinsic on my path. You've, in a way, whether you know it or not, you've been here from the like inception of me diving into my podcast and like on my spiritual journey and my plant medicine journey. So I'm so excited to call this person my friend. She is also a sound alchemist and that's what we are going to dive into today. So I'll just introduce her so we can get this conversation going. Her name is Monica Mullen. Monica, thank you for being on the podcast today. Thank you for this opportunity to share my world's gift with (laughs) the world. I'm so excited. How are you today? I know we just had like came in beautiful space sitting down having a nice Mm. conversation but how are you feeling life is an interesting labyrinth of things to meander through and lately i've been saying it's like walking on a tightrope through a labyrinth through the eye of the needle because things are teaching us how to grow by the uh, uh circumstances that come up that reflect back to us how to be in alignment yeah. So that's what it's been about for me lately. Wow. What would you say is the biggest lesson you've had, like realigning you on your path? The mindset. It's just all about those mental narratives that repeat in the mind that you don't pay attention to because they've been there for so long that you don't notice them. So really tuning in um, and listening, which is what sound has taught me to deep listen and the more I deeply listen to the instruments while I'm playing them the more nuances I hear in the instrument which helps me discern which thoughts that I'm thinking that are pleasant or unpleasant yeah Mm -hmm. sound that's a beautiful gift of sound every time I come into a sound bath or a sound meditation there's something new that I hear even if it's an instrument that I have experienced time and time again because I mean I I've done I've probably done like at least 10 sound baths Mm -hmm. now in the past year and there's something new every time there's something to be heard that the universe is trying to deliver so you are a sound alchemist what does that mean to you so generally when people ask me I say I'm a sound therapist because people don't quite get what a sound alchemist is and (laughs) I'm still figuring that out but as an alchemist that's somebody that takes different things together and creates something new And for me, taking the different instruments and also taking 
my spirituality and and creating something new through that by paying attention to the sound i can refine myself um, to be the instrument being tuned to facilitate so as an alchemist uh, of sound um, i'm creating an atmosphere for other people to experience by participating with the sound so in, even in that the sound and the participant creates an alchemy within that creates something new within them Mm -hmm. Uh, I just want to pause and leave like 10 seconds after everything you say so that we can like soak it in. (laughs) How did you come by sound like sound therapy or sound meditation? What led you to that path? So that was in 2019. I participated in a earth medicine ceremony that expanded me in ways that I had not yet experienced but had the esoteric knowledge about. Um, but after that experience, I found a singing bowl and fell in love with the sound, and that was the end of it. So there wasn't sound like in the ceremony. You just happened upon that bowl afterwards and Correct. started playing around. Yeah, yeah. It Do was you- it was like a month after the ceremony that I walked into a shop. So they they sell um, the the machine made bowls, and that was my first bowl. But now I've graduated into antique ones, which have a lot more to to communicate than the machine ones. There's a lot more depth and richness and a lot more of a story to tell. But uh, it started off with just one bowl and I was just enthralled with the sound. And um, I eventually met a didgeridoo player that sold uh, newer uh, Himalayan bowls and then bought some of those and I just couldn't stop. Sound bowls are mesmerizing. They are. Do you remember like what are sound bowls just like a singular note or how did how are those like labeled so the the machine main ones are generally just one note and they don't have a lot of overtones which is why they're not preferred for sound meditations Mm. um and the ones that i have now have a lot of notes in them so those are the overtones Mm. and they are mathematically basically what the universe and what we're made of so we can connect more with those sounds than just the one note because we are complex beings and there's a lot more to it than I can explain yeah yes (laughs) (laughs) yeah before we started recording we were talking a little bit about like the science of sound and how it's so hard to even begin to like break down the science of frequency or or like I think they're called binaural beats Mm -hmm. right yeah because there's just there's like a depth to them. It's almost, I, I feel like you can literally like fall into the sound and you'd be tumbling for years upon years. Yes. Yeah. There's people that I study under that have four degrees in music, you know, and they're just full of the sound knowledge and I can scratch the surface on it, but I just leave those topics to them because they're the ones that know more yeah. the physics of sound and frequencies <laughs> and the physics of sound would be a great, I have to find somebody to like bring on and like get into that. Yes. I probably won't even be able to understand it, but <laughs> that's so funny. So you found that singing bowl mm-hmm. and then from there, were you just playing that on your own for a while mm-hmm. or did it begin to lead you to like, uh, like, how did that work out? So it was December that I bought the machine made one. And then I'm guessing probably in January, February, I started accumulating the other bowls. And after that, I don't remember the timeline, but then Lana Ryder, who's a local sound teacher, started giving me private lessons. And so through that, it was it took us two years to get through that whole certification process because... 
What, why did it take so long? What's uh, the? It was just spaces. We had a lot of spaces in between for scheduling okay. purposes, but there's homework to do in between each lesson so that you have to practice on people. So uh, as I was learning them, I was really taking that information and applying it as much as I could. So I wasn't in a rush to get mm -hmm. it done. Generally, it's a six month class and okay. she offers those as group sessions but one of the prerequisite videos that we had to watch as a student of hers was a, a talk by Alexander Tanous and I believe it's called on sound consciousness and spirituality or I'll, I'll have to double check that but um, it's a two and a half hour talk or an hour and a half talk that just blew my mind so I was like if this person is a genius he knows exactly what he's talking about sound I need to experience sound from him and he was based out of New York City so I found him on Facebook messaged him booked a private session so I drove to New York City for a two-hour session thank God for social media oh right? my gosh it was magical and yeah. then we just connected and then I wound up going to a sound school with him and some other teachers that was a week-long hundred-hour sound school training and that was in April of last year I, I feel like that really drives home the fact that it's like when you find somebody who is a sound facilitator or like a sound therapist, it's not just a, it, it isn't just that person like doing singing bowls on the side of the street. There is like a whole complex learning process that goes into it as well. There, there should be, there should be. <laughs> <laughs> with it becoming so popular. There's people that are just picking up bowls and calling themselves mm -hmm. sound therapists or sound I'm not sure what other terms people use, but it's um, there, there's not a lot of knowledge behind it. And I've been doing this now, I guess, two years, and I still don't know what I'm doing. You know, <laughs> I'm still learning. Every single time I play, like you hear new things, I hear new things. I tune more in every time, learn new things. You know, being on the receiving end is an important part of being a therapist as well, because you're hearing things that you don't notice while you're playing. So that's part of the process of being a recipient. What would you say is probably the biggest difference, if you're aware, between somebody who does have a certification as a sound therapist compared to somebody who doesn't? If somebody were to like try to look for their own, like their own facilitator. Yes. So just like everybody's voices, there'll be certain voices that resonate with different people in different ways. And there's some voices that are untrained that really resonate with some people and some voices that are really trained that people are like... Con completely connected to so I think that anybody doing sound is going to have an impact on somebody in a certain way so I don't want to like say there's good therapists and bad therapists but the more training that we do uh, the better we become at anything so as far as that there's um, for me th there's certain traits that a sound facilitator should embody and the first and foremost is remembering that we are the instrument itself so the mental clutter that we have and the static that we carry is going to be coming out through the sound that we facilitate. We're telling a story through the sound. And if we are feeling anxious or nervous or stressed out, we're going to play too hard, too fast, too whatever. And that is going to impact the sound and, and how the person is going to receive it. Uh, to the untrained ear, you're not going to notice those sorts of things, but you might feel a little uncomfortable or you might even like it because you're at that frequency too. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't know. It's, it's really uh, perception-based uh, experiences. But the more I learn about sound and how it's taught me patience and to slow down and to be in the present moment and to really deeply listen to each one of the sounds, uh, instead of allowing that mental chatter to repeat in my mind, I have slowed down and 
was really intentional with how I'm playing with the thought of it being received. So as you learn to practice sound, you do have to practice certain things and your mind has to be like, okay, my hand needs to be here and this, that, and the other. But once you get into that routine, you can disconnect from the doing and be the being aspect. So as I flip the, the role into the participant and not the facilitator, even though I'm facilitating is where and I get absorbed in the sound. And that to me is a sign of a good practitioner of just flowing. It's allowing it to flow through you, being the hollow bone. Mm-hmm. I feel I feel that way too when I even when I lead like a yoga class if I walk in there and I'm like angry or frustrated and like <laughs> like huffing in or whatever it is and I don't find ways to ground myself before offering that offering that class to other people yes then it it carries over and like that that energy is going to like flood out onto the students especially like as you're speaking even thinking about like the words literally energetically leaving your mouth. I mean, we're talking about like sound frequencies right now. The tone of your voice can resonate and how it lands on people. I mean, we all know how it feels. If like when, when somebody yells at you, when somebody raises your voice, it, I always feel that in my body. I'm pretty sensitive to that. Like I can feel Mm -hmm. like the vibrations of people's voice too. So yeah, that definitely does have an impact. Mm -hmm. Even when you're not talking, you can sense an angry person in the room Mm -hmm. and we are all becoming more energetically sensitive and that is sound. It's our sound. It's the song of our heart is our emotions. So as we tune our emotions, we emit a different sound. That's like a perfect segue into sort of talking about how, how do frequencies impact us? Not on a scientific level necessarily, but like on an intuitive feeling level, what is it about using a sound bowl? What is it about Mm. getting those certain frequencies that impacts our body, impacts our aura, any of it? So that's a topic I don't delve into too much either. I leave that to to the other people, but I, I, I will say that because sound therapy is becoming so popular, there's a lot of false information being fed to the public about frequencies and like certain frequencies being the one for love and for healing. And oh, for, is that not true? It's not true. Oh, please clarify. <laughs> I, because I thought that was true. Yes. No, I mean, the sound is going to do what it needs to do where it needs to do it. And uh, it's, it's about entrainment and... It, it hasn't been proven true yet, I should say. Um, but there are a lot of claims of heart chakra being whatever F and different chakras being certain frequencies. And it's based on the color translated into a number that's audible. But there hasn't been any conclusive information for that, according to the teachers that I study under who are have physics degrees. So... Like I said, I I leave that to them because it's over my head, but there is a lot of misinformation about certain frequencies healing certain things. Do you know why, like, love is with, like, the... 432, I think. Right. Do you know how that came to be? Why people started labeling it that way? Or is it just another one of those, like, pop culture misconstrued through TikTok or whatever? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's... I'm not sure the origin and... I belong to a couple groups. The Art and Science of Sound Healing is one of the Facebook groups I belong to. And Thomas Orr Anderson is a, I think he has two physics degrees, but he's a sound therapist. He he can talk up and down about frequencies and what they actually do and all of that. And 
they they take different memes that are people are posting and say why this isn't true scientifically and so they're they're educating people in in a beautiful way um, but I don't know how how it all started. I know the the bowls, like the crystal bowls, is a big one. They they like the chakra sets and whatnot. Yeah, I've seen those. But yeah. that's more of a marketing tool than anything. Like if Thomas Ori Anderson will say, if if somebody has an F bowl and plays it and ask where ask the participants where do they feel it in the body, it's going to vary for every person. But if you tell them it's the heart bowl, then they'll feel it in the heart. So there's the power of the placebo. Yeah, because they'll focus their energy and attention into that heart space then. is That's correct? Correct. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So it, it is, there, and the power of placebo is very powerful, and you yeah. can use that for benefit, but scientifically it's not accurate. So when somebody comes in, if somebody were to come to see you and they want to participate in a sound meditation, a sound bath, how would you set that up? What does that look like to get them in that space of like connecting with their body, connecting to their intuition and anything that those frequencies are going to do for them? So for my group sessions are a little different than my private. For the group ones, I have people settle into their stillness for a minute in the silence. And then I start with um, an instrument of whatever seems to be right at the time and do a guided meditation. And I have them focus on the space around their body to help them get out of the the narrow focused mindset into a broad focus and the narrow focus is more of survival techniques of you know we're hyper focused on one single thing and trying to be aware of that but the broad open focus helps us to relax and surrender into the moment because you're being aware of things not in your mind but the, the space around your body um, and I have them breathe in the sound and I have them connect with the sound and learn how to deeply listen by using more than just their, their ears. Uh, I usually do a guided meditation of, or a visualization for them to start engaging in the imagination, which helps them get out of the analytical mind and helps the brain waves to get out of the beta into the alpha and then eventually the theta. And so after that, I usually do some breathing. Sometimes I don't. It just depends. Vocalization I generally do, which helps the body get toned. Like oming. Oming, mm -hmm, humming, singing. Oh, that When I have been in sound baths with you and we do the humming and the oming, it's... I can literally feel it and you've never you've never told me this it's just what I have experienced mm -hmm. can quite literally feel the impact on my heart and like my chest it, there's just like a almost like a tingling sensation yes. whenever we get done with those before settling in and yet it makes you grounded at the same time because doesn't doesn't humming activate your vagus nerve yes it does mm -hmm. do other does other sound frequency do that as well you know I'm not 100% sure on that I know that um you know, humming itself stimulates because of the vibration. So I would think like placing the bowls on the body would have the same effect. I just am learning about tuning forks and putting the tuning fork on the top of the ear. That's a vagus nerve stimulator. So putting the um, weighted tuning fork at the top of the ear. So I would say yes to that. There are other frequencies that would do that. Have you researched the vagus nerve? Mm -hmm, a little bit. Could yeah. you talk about that just a little bit? I don't know if I could talk about it with any sort of intelligence <laughs> that's okay the, the only thing I yeah. know what I do know about like the vagus nerve is that like it's a nerve it, it goes throughout like most of your body as far as I'm aware because it's like connected to your fascia and like every different muscle in your body mm -hmm. so it's one of those things where like when we get stressed out I 
I think it's that the cortisol can like, I don't want to say anything wrong, but like stress can deplete it. You know, all of those day-to-day things that can make us kind of like feel as though we're spinning out of control, Mm -hmm. only feel. Um, It can weaken the vagus nerve, but I know that we can strengthen it and that helps us become more calm. That helps us feel more calm inside and humming. Humming is one. Helps with that. It activates it. Yeah, there's actually a whole book on humming and its therapeutic benefits. So back to the meditation, that's part of the ways that I have getting people into that state. And after the humming, um, I generally have them drop off into the sound. So I like to do two hours of sound in group meditations um, because it takes that long for people to relax because we're so tense all of the time. And in private sessions, I do variations of that, but it's just more personalized to what what they're dealing with. What have you heard from participants has been like the benefits that they've received from going to a sound meditation? Gosh, I've had all sorts of things. Feeling more calm, having visions, clarifications on problems, creative solutions, chakras opening. In private sessions, I have had people scream, like releases. What causes that? What causes like the visions to come up and those big emotions? It's getting out of the way of your analytical mind. And that all, most of that comes from the, like the ego and the analytical mind? I would say yes. It's, it's focusing on something beyond what you're used to focusing on, which helps the brain waves change out of the beta. And once that happens, you get into that creative flow state. So when you're in a creative flow state, you get connected to source basically. So then things come through instead of you trying to figure things out, you're open to receive new information. Is it also one of those things I wonder where like knowing that like matter cannot be created nor destroyed, like everything is everything, all of the energy that exists has always existed. Is it a matter of like if there's like a negative energy, I don't even want to say a negative energy inside someone, but if there is like stuck energy, yeah, is it part of the fact that like the sound can sort of break that up or that the frequency can shift it into something new? I feel like it's a little of both. Um, I've heard different people's perspectives on that. I'm learning about tuning forks right now and finding the energy through the vibration of the tuning fork, you'll feel it getting stuck in the auric field and then you can move it. And, And the one person that I'm reading a book is uh, Eileen McCusick, but she takes the energy that she finds that's stuck and click, drop, and drag <laughs> and tosses it into the chakra wheel and then the chakra wheel disperses it. Wow. So that that's her mindset of how it works. Um, and with the examples of people having a heart blockage open up of the bowl being on the chest is... Uh, it, I would feel like it's entrainment. Like it, the, the sound is entraining the, the dissonance that you have inside to something harmonious, and that gives you a release. When you facilitate sound baths, are there any instruments that you find yourself commonly gravitating towards? The gong is always the, the backbone. The big bad boy. Yes. I love your gong. <laughs> it's this like, how big is your gong? It's a 32 inch. It's not that big honestly oh really no it's not it's impressive to me (laughs) yeah I love it but it is it is a gorgeous gong but I you know I've played bigger ones and I would love to have one (laughs) we'll get you one as tall as this room someday one day (laughs) yes Um, but it's a 32 inch uh symphonic gong is is that one and then I have a 22 inch wind gong over there from 
I'm Stephen Weiss, Stephen Weiss out of Philly. Mm-hmm. What about the gong speaks to you? So the gong to me is, I always like to say it's like the emotional ultrasonic. Some people find it very uncomfortable and some people love it to pieces. Uh, but it does seem to break up things and bring things to the surface. And that's when people get uncomfortable and they don't like feeling it because it's something they've stuffed down for a really long time and they don't want to feel it. So they're trying to not feel it. And so that friction that they're creating for not surrendering to feeling that emotion causes it to be very uncomfortable. But I, I have had one person in particular that said they didn't like it. And then she booked a private gong session because she's like, I'm going to lean into that. I want to see what's in there that's making me feel afraid. And she comes very regularly for hour-long gong sessions. That's so cool. I know, again, when I've been in, a, when I've been in uh, like a sound ceremony with you and you've used the gong, not only do you like hit the gong with a mallet to send out that like you know that well-known like kind Mm -hmm. of sound but then you also do this thing where you take your mallets and you as far as I'm aware you kind of like gently glide them on the surface of the gong and it creates these sounds that are almost like whale like -like. Mm -hmm. and I have come to love it whenever I do meditation but it is it does I shouldn't speak for anybody else, but the first time I heard it, it did kind of remind me of like when you're watching a scary movie yep. and the sound effects, like when somebody's around the corner and it's like that, like mm-hmm. that kind of sound. <laughs> I'm making the silliest noises. This is wonderful. <laughs> well, they do use gongs for horror movie sounds. Is that it's, where they come from? Yes, they do. I mean, that's some of them. They yeah. have other ones that, that they use as well, but gongs. So those are friction mallets and they're either made from a rubber or, um, you know, some of mine are super balls that I put on bamboo skewers and they're a lot cheaper and gets the job done. It's, I love them. So, um, but yeah, they're, they're friction mallets are also called flumies, but they create, you can get them to make harmonics, but they also have that eerie sound. They're, they're fascinating to work with. So other than the gong, what other instruments do you love to bring in with you into sound baths? So I usually bring everything, but I don't always play everything. Well, I bring most of everything. So I have a Shruti box, which is one of the first instruments I got after the bowls. And that is like an accordion in a way. Um, But it has little keys on it that creates a kind of like a harmonium if you know what that is but it it has bellows that you pump it Um, it's usually a drone instrument you can change the notes but generally I don't Um, and then I have a monolina and that's a stringed instrument that's also a drone that one to me is one of my favorites and I have a Ravvas tongue drum and that one is I just love them all koshi chimes rain stick drums swing chime all sorts of shakers cute yeah like I don't want to call them cute some of them are badass but like you have so many different intrinsic like some of them are massive like you have a tall uh, the rain stick that's like taller than half of my it's probably like what is that three feet four yeah three or four yeah (laughs) it's tall rain stick so you have all of these like big things and then you have little things too like you have like an ayahuasca like plant Mm -hmm. ceremony like it's like a sweep like a broom type thing Chapuca, chap, chap. I forget how you say it. Where do you find all of your instruments? I made that out of corn stalks. You made that one? Yes, I did. You're so creative. <laughs> yeah, um, I have clock bells that I use as like tinctures. I've used pine cones. Like I use all sorts of things. I do. Gosh, it's just so much fun finding things that make noise. And you, <laughs> I, love <that. laughs> I love that. And 
you find like when you're in ceremony that you'll get the sensation like now I know what I brought this for yeah that rises within you yeah it's usually intuitive I mean there's a couple things like I said the Shruti box I usually use I'm, I always use it for the toning. Like, it's just perfect for that. The box and the Melina are my two favorite. I honestly feel like you can hear angels in the overtones of those. I know we've talk, talked about that before, but because there's so many strings and so many, just like some of the sound bowls you said, they have more than one note. Mm-hmm. It's it, it fills the whole room, and it really does sound like there's an angelic choir just, like, oming in the space. It's, it's amazing. It's so beautiful. That one... That one took me to like other planes before <laughs> when I've been in meditation. When you do, when you are facilitating and you yeah. get a hit that, oh, I should play the drum. What kind of sensations do you feel in your body? What comes up for you that you notice like, oh, that one's speaking to me. That person needs a little bit of the Molina right now. That's a good question. Gosh, I would say I feel it in my chest. That's where I always feel the pull of my intuition it's like a pressure in my chest and sometimes honestly every once in a while I'll I'll go against that and pick something up and I'm like I don't think this is it but it sounds like I should put an accident like I shouldn't have done that (laughs) so I've learned to really trust that that feeling Mm -hmm. and then pausing in between the instruments was a challenge for me at the beginning because I because of the busy mind that I had when I first started out I felt like I had to fill the space in between the instruments so now I'm I'm more comfortable in the silence of allowing people to sit still and allow that that space between the notes to be a restful place instead of one that made me feel anxious. So that's been a part of the growth process for me as a facilitator too, is allowing silence to be part of the sound meditation. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that part of, I know you're also a fellow Gemini and I wonder <laughs> I wonder if part of that comes from um, I should say I've had that too when I'm teaching or like doing astrology readings if somebody's like contemplating something I'll sit there and I think that I need to respond but I, I what I know about Gemini is that it is a very busy sign it wants to collect information and go and do and learn so i wonder if it's a matter of <laughs> that's part of the lessons that we have it in is. this lifetime is like leaning into the not doing sometimes getting comfortable not glorifying busyness mm-hmm. things like that absolutely yeah yeah sound has been my biggest teacher yeah. other than getting comfortable with that stillness what would you say are the top three lessons that you've learned participating in sound baths and Mm. then also like leading them Hmm. so participating honestly is the same as leading them because the same principles apply but i would say patience first and foremost it's still teaching me patience like when you're putting bowls on the body or other instruments you are not to take them off until they're done ringing and that takes a long time and so allowing that space to play out and being present while it does instead of thinking oh my gosh I want to hit it again or take it off when it's not ready because a good bowl will ring longer than a minute and that doesn't seem like long but when you're in that space it feels like forever and so it's taught me a lot of patience and Slowing down and listening, just listening has been the biggest one, I would say. You know, there's so many different nuances of the highs and the lows and the waves and the wobble. 
I keep staring at the bowls while I'm talking. <laughs> they are beautiful. Yeah, we're in. <laughs> we're recording like in the room where she has all of her instruments, and it's really cool to be able to like look at all of them and like. N- for me and probably even for you too sitting here like knowing the experience that you have with each instrument it's like a relationship very much so do you find that you have like your own special relationship with each of your instruments every single bowl has a different character and you have to get to know each one there's certain um, mallets that work better on certain bowls there's certain sounds that you can pull out of certain ones by adjusting the angle of the mallet or the pressure and the speed that other bowls won't give that sound but yes, they all, I've become intimate with all of them and I'm still scratching the surface on figuring out who they are and what they have to offer. So during the sound meditation, mm-hmm. participants are really just either sitting there or lying down and closing their eyes and like listening, receiving the sound, mm-hmm. paying attention to what's going on in their body. What would you say is usually the process after somebody experiences a sound bath? Do you usually suggest that a person take notes, journal? What would you say they should do? Well, I recently learned that drinking water is important because water is a good conduit of energy. And when you have a lot of energy going through your body, it's good to be hydrated. So I always wondered why they told you to drink water after Reiki or any sort of energy work. And that's why. And as a Gemini, you like knowing why. Yes, Yes. absolutely. (laughs) I want to know all the things. Yes. So drinking water is important. Journaling, I think, would be good, too. It's not something I normally suggest, but um, it is part of the process of figuring out what was stuck and what got moved or what what sensations that you did feel during it that made you feel uncomfortable to want to dig a little deeper. Would you always suggest sound therapy or sound meditation for somebody who's looking to release something or can it be a process where it's literally just coming in to get more grounded and relaxed? It can do all sorts of things, I feel like. Uh, Definitely both of those things, but also... Most of our society is busy, 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 busy. And that is also why I like doing the two hours because a lot of people can't surrender within the first hour. It takes a long time to release that mindset of I better be doing, I'm not being productive right now or I have to think about my laundry list of things to do. And relaxation is first and foremost. And in that relaxation is where the release comes because when we're in that fight or flight or in that nervous system is heightened that we don't relax into our state of being you know it pinches it off and so in that relaxation you know our cells listen to every thought that we think yes please talk more about that yes so in listening deeply to sound as a meditation tool like some people use the candle flame or your breath the sound to me is more powerful because there's a a lot going on with the frequencies and whatnot but as we learn to listen to that we learn to listen to our thoughts when we're not meditating we're, we're more aware of that because we're practicing the art of listening so when we realize that we're thinking thoughts that are negative and causing us physical harm because our cells are thinking about or following the commands of our thoughts, that when we begin to start thinking thoughts that are loving because of our awareness of what we were thinking, then our bodies are being entrained to good communication and harmonious 
living and all of the entrainment that happens when we're in a line with the divine. And I think that's a great point to talk about, too, how we often associate frequencies with just like sound or radio but everything has a frequency. Like everything. we are all vibrating at our, that, that's kind of what an aura is. It's like the way that your energy vibrates around you. It is our song. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Didn't you, we had a conversation the last time I saw you about Quan Yin and her, her song. Can you talk about that? So Quan Yin is she who perceives sound or one who perceives sound. She's a deity. Yes. Mm-hmm. And she uh, is the goddess of compassion, but apparently it was a man at some point. So it's both. Yeah. Um, but it, it the she who perceives sound. So if she's the goddess of compassion, she's noticing what our sound is, which is our song. So if you're perceiving somebody, you perceive their aura and that's, what she's doing yeah I just I Mm -hmm. loved hearing that I thought that was so cool that she could literally it made me think about people who can point out like the colors of someone's aura and see all of those things I definitely want to have an episode about deities and talk more about Mm. that because Kuan Yin is a really cool one and I yeah I think it's so special that she's tied into the music scene and sound all of this yes she had been appearing to me here and there you know just seeing her different places and then once I found out who she was I was like oh well that makes perfect sense she was following you (laughs) she was like I'm on to you I like what you're doing please let me in your crew (laughs) so with deities in mind do you bring other spiritual practices or aspects of your spirituality into your sound it is my spiritual practice Truly, it is. It is uh, how I connect deeply. It's how it's like I said, it's been my best teacher. And in that that it has all the lessons I need, but I have to slow down to listen to them. And so in tuning myself and aligning myself with what the sound teaches, like when I play the gong there, you can feel the bounce back of the mallet when it's getting too stiff or when it's actually rolling through, you can feel the sound wave going through the gong and you have to work and adjust and get it to sound the way you want and you play with it. And that's another metaphor for life. Like, okay, so this is giving me bounce back. I need to adjust this. It's all about adjusting. We're learning to walk on a tightrope through a labyrinth through the eye of the needle. That is what it's all about. So all of these things are teaching us how to have spiritual poise and that's what I've been meditating on a lot lately is what is spiritual poise and what does that look like and how do I become balanced and graceful in in elegance um, with how I navigate through life and sound has been teaching me that what does spiritual poise mean to you gosh I just did a little talk on that last night so spiritual poise to me is acting out of the deep knowing of who I am and from that I'm going to act with the confidence of who we are and seeing that in other people I'm going to know that there's layers that people are acting from a false identity and so when I'm anxious for example I'm going to act anxiously And I'm going to try to fill the space with words that aren't necessary. And I'm going to be more reacting to things and taking things personally because I'm nervous. So when I embody spiritual poise, it's about embodying virtues. And so seeing myself 
as a virtuous person with grace and truth and love and when I act from that inner knowing everything's going to be permeated with that it's really embodying the identity of remembering who we truly are and underneath all the layers of who we've been told we were and believing that so that to me is spiritual poise so then you can navigate on that tightrope through the labyrinth and the eye of the needle without bumping into things as much because you're poised and graceful and you know that the things that are externally happening that would once ruffle my feathers won't because it's a gift from the universe to teach me where I'm out of alignment and that's something I've really been thinking of too people would say that you know everything is a gift and I'm just like that is the worst thing that's ever happened how is that a gift and I would get irritated but really if if the universe is giving you what your energy is giving out sending out that is truly a gift because it's showing you what's out of alignment, what needs to be fine-tuned. And so what a gift that is to show me that instead of thinking that it's an external circumstance that's causing me to feel this way. But no, it's this feeling that's causing that to happen. It's, it's a causing an effect instead of having it from a different perspective. Yeah. Does that make I, sense? It yes. does. I see that when I, you know, it's... <laughs> What I've loved so much about this process of of meeting the people I've met and bringing people on to interview them and hear their stories is hearing how we all come by our spiritual journeys, how we come by them in our own way, through our own rise and fall throughout our life. Mm -hmm. But we all have that thing that really speaks to us in ways that it it might not to others. Yes. And like, it seems that sound is that thing for you. Like you are learning the lessons of the universe. You are learning about life and, and all of the karma that you're coming into this lifetime with anything like that through sound. And for me, it's like learning through astrology mm. and, and first off, just acknowledging the beauty of like how there are patterns in life like that and I how we that. can all the idea that we're all connected and we can all learn these lessons in our own way. And then also like, yeah, seeing that through astrology, I mean, gosh, we're recording this at the beginning of August. Yesterday there was, um, I don't know if you heard, but the great conjunction of Uranus, the North Node and Mars occurred in Taurus. And as with most pivotal like astrological transits, there was a lot of worrying and like flutter and right. all of that on social media. And um, I sometimes I don't even like to participate in those things or talk about it because it's like putting our perspective onto something outside of us kind of goes back to that idea of if you think something is for the heart chakra that's where you're gonna that's where you're gonna bring your attention to the heart chakra if you think something's gonna cause you to lean into a, a negative circumstance then you will because that's where your energy is pointing but just that that knowing that like even if something does kind of pull you off center one of my favorite quotes is from Parvati Shallow she says sometimes you need to be pulled off center to find where your center is so in that way Truth. looking at all of those things that we think are like uprooting our life and seeing how it's really just trying to put us back into alignment whether that's a planet whether that's like a frequency anything like that it's just redirecting us exactly that's how I like to look at it and I like to look at it as we're surrendering to our orbit yes yes, yes. oh gosh yes <laughs> <laughs> we all have to <laughs> you know because right now we're trying to 
spin plates or whatever. You know, we're juggling so many different things. But if we surrender to our orbit, we're not going to collide with anything because the planets know exactly where they need to go and they're doing exactly what they need to be doing. And we, we've been told to go in certain directions that we've lost touch with our intuition. And everything else in nature does what it's supposed to do without thinking it should be something different. And we've grown perpendicular to that. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, um, I reposted something the other day that was talking about how our ancestors rested when there was rest and they worked when there was work to be done. And that kind of reminds me of that flowing with the orbit. It's like the seasons where we are. We have all four seasons. So like, mm -hmm. do you rest when it's time to rest when it's winter, when it's dark? Are you or are you like trying to like trudge forward and then wondering why? you're burnt out and you don't have universal support behind you. I feel like that speaks more to the fact that when you are in alignment with what you're meant to be doing, you vibrate differently. Mm -hmm. It just, it, it, it things just feel right. You know, it's in the flow. Yeah. Yes. It is in the flow. It is. And that's, you know, part of this is tapping back into my intuition, especially working with different clients one-on-one, -on -one especially because as energetically sensitive, you feel their energy. And sometimes I, I pull back from it because I don't want to feel it. So being able to have that spiritual poise and stand with uh, confidence and knowing that I'm here to help get those knots out, um, to help, I, I should say the sound will help and train because I'm not really doing anything but facilitating. I have to be careful with that wording, but it is, uh, trusting my intuition and allowing that to be my guide instead of using my mind and that's what a lot of the shift in in our collective is doing right now is tapping back into our intuition and waking up from those pre-programmed narratives mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. oh yes i'm very intrigued to see what happens when saturn moves into aquarius <laughs> next <laughs> next march <laughs> it, i just rem like the thinking about the idea of what we've been taught we're supposed to do and what we're taught that we're supposed to think mm. wherever Saturn transits it shows you like limitations and like blockages and like mountains you're trying to climb in a certain sense mm. and ever since Saturn has been in um uh ever or I'm sorry it's in Aquarius now ever since it's been in Aquarius we've seen like restriction on freedoms and restrictions like within our government structures so it's going to move into Pisces is what I meant. And when it moves into Pisces, I'm interested to see how that comes into play with the restriction of spirituality or like religious structures as well. Mm. And then what made me think of that is the ways that we will undo those structures that are no longer working. How are we going to reinvent those things and try to come more fully into who we are as individuals or the higher collective. Yes. Does that makes sense. Absolutely. And that's also part of allowing the space between the notes and focusing on so spiritual poise to me, when you're walking on a tightrope, you have to have a, a drishti of sorts to keep your balance and looking at something and and through the eye of the needle, what's on the other side is the new earth. And that's what we're placing our attention on right now instead of the chaos that's happening all around us and like you're saying like pre-predictive programming even with the astrological events of like oh this is happening so I'm gonna feel this way but bringing that back to our drishti of like this is what I want to see in the world and I don't see it now but I believe so much and have faith that this is what's going to happen 
even while the world is still crumbling, is going to create that. So that space between the notes is like you're connecting to the energetic relationship of what is not yet, but it will be if we collectively dream it together. We, We do have power in ways to create our world around us. And if you think that you don't, then that's what you're creating. Mm-hmm, exactly. That has been a big lesson for me to see. Like it goes back to the idea of like where you direct your thoughts is where, you, where your, your world's going to go. In snowboarding, I think when you're learning to snowboard, you're taught you look, you go where you look. Mm-hmm. And that that's another pattern that flows over into life in that way. If my thoughts are negative, I'll be negative. If I'm positive, I'll be positive. And you'll see the negativity. Mm -hmm. If your thoughts are negative, you're going to see the negative. Yes, exactly. It starts within, but because it starts within and we are all individuals, that's how we impact the collective. Exactly. Yeah. Going to 180 a little bit. If somebody is hearing all of this and they're lit up by the idea maybe they want to schedule a sound meditation with you. How could they go about doing that? How can people find you? So my website is monicajmullen.com. That's M-O-N-I-C-A-J-M-U-L-L-E-N.com. And I'm on Instagram at the same name, Monica J. Mullen. Facebook, also the same. And you can schedule a session through there. And I'm in the Lancaster area. So I do sound meditations here in Lancaster and in New York in group places are you correct me if I'm wrong did you recently become certified to teach others how to do how to be sound facilitators so I'm co-teaching with my teacher Lana Ryder Uh, I've been I just did a tuning fork and Reiki class um, a gong class so she's she's teaching me how to teach but I'm really enjoying the role of being a teacher and I actually told my mom that I've been doing this and she said when I was a teenager she went to a psychic and she said that I was a teacher and I never knew that until recently so I was like wow mom thanks yeah (laughs) that just gave me chills that's so cool is that something you want to keep pursuing absolutely someday be able to like Mm -hmm. teach on a bigger scale I love it so much I can't wait to see the trajectory of that for Mm. you well thank Thank you you so much for being on the podcast today that feels like the perfect place to put a pin in it for now but I'm sure we'll be back to talk about more because you are a wealth of knowledge and I love when you I love when you talk about your intuition and Mm. the collective it always lights me up so thank you so so much for coming on the podcast agreeing to share your gift today thank you so much for sharing yours fellow gemini (laughs) Ooh, gemini power we are the twins after all we are indeed perfect